Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 83 of Grow With Soul. Today I'm in conversation with Sarah Tasker, who you will undoubtedly know and love as the business and Instagram brain behind Me and Orla and the podcast and book, Hashtag Authentic. After the release of her book last year, Sarah went off the grid for a few months and then later re-emerged with a brand new programme that was completely different to what she's done before. And I've been dying to know exactly like how that came about and all the behind the scenes that went into it. So today, Sarah and I talk about how she came up with the brand new idea, her process for putting a program together, her mindset and her approach to business generally, and how she began marketing something different to what she's known for. We also, of course, do touch on Instagram a little bit. So this is a really juicy episode and Sarah shared so generously. So let's dive in. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been weird, like we've quite known you for like years and this is the first time you were on the podcast and I think I think there's a reason for that. What is the reason? Well, for no, that? I mean, I meant in terms. I just as that came out of my mouth, I was like, "Oh, that sounds really sinister." Um, no, in terms of, I think it took like this moment in your business coinciding with this moment in my business for it to be like, "Oh, this is going to be a really interesting conversation." <laughs> I totally get that. Like, there's so many people I have saved in my back pocket for the podcast where I'm like, "I'm waiting for you to do the thing." I don't know what the <laughs> thing will be, but when the thing happens, we'll we'll, we'll want to talk about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I think that most people listening probably already knows who you are, but for anybody who doesn't, or maybe just a kind of reminder for people, can you kind of give us the the brief history of your business so far and yeah, what kind of what you do and where where you've kind of, where you're at now? Um, Sure. So I was working in the NHS in speech therapy and I was started my maternity leave for my daughter Orla I was stuck at home I am not really one to go and join in with like groups so no toddler groups were going to happen so I spent a lot of time on my sofa with a baby on my phone kind of she was asleep and I was looking for community and creativity and kind of an outlet and I found Instagram so this was back Orla was born in 2013 so I started an Instagram account called me and Orla which literally just showed pictures of like what we were doing the cake I was eating or like the bananas that were on the windowsill because we didn't leave the house all that much but it sort of gained traction very quickly I think it was a combination of at the time the kind of photography and the kind of stories I was telling with my pictures was kind of fairly new to Instagram and the community like the way I was able to kind of join in with the community and hold community just gave it this sudden traction so I'd set myself this new year's resolution that I wanted a thousand followers by the end of the year I set that in the January and by the April I'd already got to like 35,000 followers I was getting featured by Instagram I'd like written a blog because I had so much more to say than I could fit in these little captions and it just grew and grew until the point where I left that NHS job and it became my full-time income. I did some influencer work and then I evolved into doing more coaching and teaching other people about how to take pictures, how to use Instagram, how to tell their story online in the same way that I'd been doing. And now it is a happy, thriving business. It employs my husband full-time as well. I have like a whole team of VAs and awesome people who help contribute to it too. And the core message now is kind of helping people to still tell their story online and to and to create their dream business, whatever that is. So it's evolved. Instagram is still really at the core of what I do, but I now also do other kind of business classes and educational bits too. Mm. Well, that is a 
a very well honed um, story. <laughs> the highlight. <laughs> and, and actually, it's funny listening to you talking about uh, how the account started and things, and it just feels like another life. Like that, the the Instagram you described there feels like a completely different thing to what we now have. It was. And sometimes I really mourn for it because it was so simple, like the beauty of it. And this is what I used to teach in the beginning is like all you could do with Instagram was post a square picture. You didn't even have a choice. It had to be square and a caption. And there were no stories. There were no highlights. There were no carousels. It was literally just that. So it made it really accessible to people who were maybe a bit overwhelmed by other forms of social media. Like it was so simple and it's grown and it's changed and it's evolved and lots of those things are wonderful but I think that simplicity is something that a lot of us would probably still quite like in our lives. Mm. Do you think it's more inaccessible now for having all the bells and whistles? I think for a beginner completely and I speak to so many beginners in my classes and and you know people who've read my book and it is overwhelming when you first get there because not only do you need to take pictures and it seems like everyone is a professional photographer on Instagram by the looks of your explore page but then am I should I be doing stories what's this IGTV do I need to go live oh my god like there's a lot to learn whereas back then all you needed to learn was how to press post Mm. yeah it's funny again I didn't I didn't get onto Instagram till relatively late. I think it must have been like 2017 or something. It was after the the feed changed. Uh, after the algorithm. Yeah, after the algorithm. So I used to see people like talking about the chronological feed and be like, oh, like the people are really upset about this. Yeah, but it's all you ever, and I love that, like, because you, you took the Insta retreat and so that's like mm. how I first got to know you. And you're the perfect example of how, it's still entirely possible in a post-algorithm world to reach your people and to grow and to to build what you need out of Instagram. Mm. It's just different. And I think that sense sometimes people have that they've maybe missed the boat. They're like, well, it's all right for you, Sarah, because you were there in 2013. But yes, it was more simple in 2013, but also there was not as many people there. I mean, there was hardly anyone and nobody really knew what Instagram was. And like, it was very niche at first. Mm. Mm. I, that's funny you say that as well because I definitely felt like I was I've always been kind of glad that I started getting going on Instagram in post-algorithm times because it really seemed to hold a lot of people back the kind of you learn to do things for the chronological feed and then it like the the rules of the game just completely change overnight and I think it took a lot of people a really long time to adapt whereas I never knew any other way to do it so I was kind of, I knew how to grow in that environment and did so. I think there's a big mindset piece as well, because even once you've adapted to the rules, there's a lot of kind of feeling for people for a long time of like, this isn't fair. Like this would have normally been a really good post. This would have normally gone out Mm. to all my followers. And so that resentment and that kind of like, well, I know I should be doing X, Y, and Z now, but I don't want to because it's not fair. Well, completely understandable holds you back Mm. because it's, you know, it's fighting against reality. Yeah. Instagram doesn't care. (laughs) Instagram are not listening to to our feedback on this (laughs) now. So that kind of brings me on to a question that I've recently started asking people because it it really interests me about what is really working for you in terms of your marketing right now and obviously I assume traditionally it's been Instagram and I wonder has that has that changed is it no longer Instagram so much or is it still Instagram that's kind of your big hitter but you've got other things that really kind of are taking the weight from that Hmm. I think it's evolved from being Instagram but partly that was like an intentional pivot that I made where I was like do you know I need fresh challenges I need like a fresh way of doing this it just started to feel stale for me to kind of show up and sell on Instagram so my podcast has kind of become my biggest thing and I really love that the podcast is value it's like 99% value and then occasionally I drop in 1% sort of self-promotion and that feels so good feels so good to know that you are taking up space in a way that serves people rather than just constantly making asks which is completely true on Instagram as well but it can sometimes feel a little bit harder to find that balance when a post has to stand on its own and I'm just experimenting with that with the podcast so recently I've been 
recording and putting in like just mini interviews with people who've taken my classes, talking about their experience and like the lessons they've learned. So again, making sure it's really valuable, making sure it's transferable. You don't have to take my course to get something out of hearing that person talk. And it boosts their profile, but it also has been really great for like boosting people's interest in my course because it gives them that in-depth understanding of like who they're going to meet in there and what the experience of taking it is actually like. Yeah, so would you say so the podcast now is really like your tip of the arrow and then everything else is just kind of following through on it? Yeah, and then the other thing is my book. So I wrote a book, last, was it last year? <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> authentic. Same, same name as the podcast and it's a guide to Instagram. And I sort of kind of, it's it's one of those completely passive things. Like I don't sell the book. The book is on Amazon. It does its thing. But every day I'll get messages from people saying, I've just read your book. Like, can I take your course? Or I've just read your book and I really love your work. Or like, so that is a constant kind of way that I'm connecting with new people that nicely doesn't require any additional effort on my part. Mm. What I love about those two examples is they're both long form. But the book especially is, is really long form. But even like a podcast, you, you, people have to commit an hour of attention to it. And we kind of exist in this world where we're like, nobody's got any attention anymore. Like people look at your photo on Instagram for like three seconds. You have to grab their attention in those three seconds. Whereas actually what you're showing is that it's the long form content that is actually making the difference rather than trying to put out little pithy things and grab attention here and there. It's actually you can generate sustained interest by putting out really good meaty content. So true. And what I've found is because it's long form, because you get like to really know me by reading my book or by listening to a podcast, like not just me, you get to know my guests as well. But it means that the people who do then come and take my classes already have really accurate expectations of mm. how I'll teach, of kind of like how I'll who else will be there? You know, we've just already kind of done all of that groundwork. Whereas anyone who's ever kind of attracted the wrong people to their programs will know like it's it's really difficult to manage a very kind of mixed bunch of people who maybe are expecting you to be somebody you're not. So I love that long form content is kind of drawing in and it's building my community ahead of time so that actually like the communities that come with my groups, people always comment on how amazing and supportive and wonderful they are. But I'm not I can't take any credit for that. I think it's just because those are the people that are drawn to join my groups. Mm, mm. That's interesting, actually, that it made me think of an example because like you, I I generally have people come to my programs and things who like have been listening to the podcast for years and they usually bought other things as well. And But there was one example where I did last year a, a live workshop and somebody like, emailed me afterwards to say it was the biggest waste of time. Nice, um, nice. But she had found out about it because her friend had sent her the link. She didn't know me from Adam. Mm-hmm. And then and I had all the other people who were on it who were like, oh, this is so great. It's so good to connect with people and it really helped me. Blah, blah, blah. But it was just like because she was so not in tune with my work she yeah, she probably wanted something completely different. Exactly. She maybe wanted like Tony Robbins or somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think that's always a good, because we always worry about, oh, what are people going to think? And I do that all the time. I'm like, oh, everyone's going to just hate me. Um, but it's it, the more that you put out and the more that you really lean into that long form stuff, that's, and I think that's why people don't like it actually, is because you want to see a really quick, um, reaction to an action like I want to put a post up and make a sale but it's actually I like Facebook ad up and yeah. just churn people through yeah but doing all that work with your podcast and everything else or your blog or whatever it is like you're t- taking out so much customer service and toing and froing and all that sort of thing because that's doing the work yeah and so my refund rates are really low because people are already like they've already learned from me they already know what I'm going to be teaching them before they show up and pay for the course which again it just makes admin and everything easier and then the other thing is like I guess my one criticism of social media I love social media but it has stripped away so much nuance from conversation Mm. and from you know the the power of a soundbite where words can be taken in isolation and it can be very difficult to know what someone intended to mean and so long form content gives you that back like there's room for all of that nuance and for that humanity and for that authenticity 
and that is a much more comfortable way for me to show up than to try and find the per- the perfect 30 words to put mm. in you know like a, a caption or a pinterest post or whatever like that's an awful lot of pressure to put on yourself and i'm not signing up for that if i don't yeah. know Mm. I've been reading um, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott and she she said in there about how the truth uh, your work as a writer because it's a book about writing is is to communicate the truth and the truth can't just come out in I can't remember what she said but it was like it doesn't just come out in a handy sentence you have to like delve deep into it to really get as you say the nuance of it all and in order to actually get anything worth anybody reading (laughs) and then you'll probably write it a hundred times and by the end of that five years from now we could put it in a perfect soundbite Mm. but you only get there by like distilling and trying and saying it in different ways and seeing what resonates and seeing what doesn't and what's misunderstood and I love all of that like I think that is the stuff of teaching of sharing of communication it's all essential Mm. so as you mentioned at the beginning you have been kind of moving away because the the initial retreat and the book still exist but there is has been a shift noticeably in your business I think it, what's interesting as well is that you kind of went away for a while after the book and then kind of emerged like a phoenix with like new stuff and new energy and things like that so yeah maybe you can talk a little bit about what that kind of product is with 15 minute magic and things like that and how intentional that shift was and why you wanted to move away from just Instagram yeah so you're right after the book came out I felt entirely overexposed like I'd done this book tour my health was really suffering I just felt wrung out and like I didn't want to be showing up anywhere so I I gave myself permission. It was slightly like reluctantly, but I eventually gave myself permission to take a a proper break, a break from showing up online altogether. And there was a big period of that time where I was just like, I will never want to do this again. I'll never want to show up online again. I'll never want to teach again. I'm out of ideas. I'm done. I've peaked. All of those thoughts. Mm. And then somewhere from the ashes of all of that, this idea came because my problem right then was I didn't want to show up. I didn't want to pop in and do my emails. I didn't want to kind of do the day-to-day stuff of running my business. So I kind of was reflecting on that, thinking about, well, how do I run my business? When I feel like doing things, how do I show up? Like, how can I rebuild that framework? And during that time, I got diagnosis of ADHD, which blew my mind. Um, I would definitely say to any women out there who struggle with focus or like choosing what to focus on or with getting started on things, Google ADHD and women because it does not present how you probably are imagining it does. It completely blew my mind. So then went down this whole rabbit hole of like how the human brain decides how to focus and how it works best and how it doesn't work best. And all of that, just following my interests, just kind of being led by my own passions and my own intrigue emerged into this idea of like I should be teaching other people to do this and that brought my enthusiasm back that brought my business back and I was like people need to know how to do this because I built my business in 15 minute chunks of like you know okay my daughter's napping I'm gonna hop on my phone and really quickly just write the newsletter copy or you know my health means that sometimes I'll be stuck in bed for a day so I'm like okay what can I do just from my phone in small bursts of attention so I kind of broke it all down and thought how am I best going to communicate this to people what do people really need I was seeing people come through my courses who were doing all the reading but struggling with the action so knowing all the theory but then when it came to overcoming the discomfort of showing up or doing something scary and new they would stall and they would get stuck. So I didn't want to create another course that was just teaching. I didn't want to just be helping people learn information and be stuck in that passive action. I really wanted it to be something that was kind of intentional, like actually moving forward day by day. So 15 Minute Magic is a daily prompt. We send it by WhatsApp and email. And it is a 15 minute challenge for your business. So sometimes it'll be write 15 minutes of copy for something. Sometimes it will be to create a super fast Pinterest graphic using this template in this app. And what's magic about only having 15 minutes, hence the name, Mm -hmm. um, is it's a bit like when you had an exam in school and it was kind of like, you know, like pens down, turn in what you've done. 
you can't spend any longer. So you shrink your expectations, you shrink your perfectionism down to what can realistically be achieved in those 15 minutes. And actually, you know, a B minus Pinterest graphic does just as well as that perfect Pinterest graphic you maybe would have spent 90 minutes on instead. Yeah, and I think that's the the expectation thing is so important. And that through, I wrote a blog post about this kind of halfway through lockdown, I think, where as soon as lockdown hit, I was like, okay, right, all my old goals, they're kind of gone. That was what was making me really anxious. Was like, oh God, I've still got to make this much money. And now there's a pandemic. Whereas when I was like, oh, maybe if I don't have to make that much money, maybe I just need to make what I need. That certain, that lowering of expectations certain, suddenly kind of freed up the creativity to be like, okay, well, if I only going to aim for what just what I need, what else can I do? And it kind of just freed everything up, just taking away that kind of tightness of expectation. Definitely. And it trips so many of us up. Like we call ourselves perfectionists, like it's a good thing, like a humble brag, a bit of a perfectionist. And we think it means that we have amazingly high standards, but what it actually means is we're just scared. We are scared that if we put anything out, that is not perfectly spell-checked and perfectly considered from every angle and perfectly curated that people are going to think bad things about us and that if they think bad things about us, that we'll probably think those same bad things about us. And so as soon as you kind of recognize that and go, hold up, I could put out the most perfect piece of work in the world and someone's still going to hate it. Like your workshop, the wrong person was there Mm. and so she just didn't like it. And the freedom that comes from recognizing that and realizing that perfection is not really about doing the best work you can. It's about trying to control the results. That's when like the real growth happens. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's so interesting. I was actually reading a in the Observer magazine, this thing about a woman who started playing poker because she was researching it for a book and then like got really good at poker and earned like $300,000 or something. But she was talking about how you see people, especially in poker, who like just always wallow on the bad breaks they got. And she was like, all you can, you have things in poker, that you there's things that you know, there's things that you definitely don't know and there's things you can guess. She's like, you can only control the things that you know, your own cards, and you cannot control the way the cards come out of the deck. So you've just got to absolutely let that go. Sometimes you have good luck, sometimes you have bad luck, but just not focusing on the stuff you can't control and on those results. And just, she's like, I just need to know at the end of a game, even if I lose, did I do the things I could control the best way I could? And that's all she looks at because the luck is like, it's not even really a factor yeah yeah what an amazing metaphor for life and like this is the trick because we're told from being really young that we can control other people's like thoughts and feelings (laughs) you know you hurt my feelings and now I'm upset so we really believe we have that power but we kind of don't I mean with enough effort occasionally you can bring someone's thinking around to where you want it to be but to do it en masse to do it on the internet and expect to be able to write something or create something that 100% of the people are going to love and approve of and see you the way you want to be seen from is is like the deck of cards. You just don't know what's going to come up and trying to control it is a huge waste of energy. Mm. And there's just too many factors. Like somebody might be really into it, but the money's not, like they've not got the money right now, but in six months they might. And it's like, oh, nobody bought my thing now, so it's awful and I'm just going to take it away and never sell it again. It's like, well, somebody's waiting to buy it in six months' time. Exactly, yes. And that's why like the self-belief is the thing because you've got to be like, I know this product is valuable and okay it's not sold I'm just going to keep trying until I figure out why and how to make it sell instead of going oh it's not sold it must mean that it's terrible and that I'm terrible and that I need to go and hide under the bed which you know we've all been there yeah sometimes you can hide under the bed and then come back out but... <laughs> uh, yeah a small a small bed hiding moment and then try again put a deadline on it <laughs> so I want to um kind of trawl back a little bit to that kind of the break because it sounds very much like it wasn't and from the outside kind of having followed you and your business for a long time during that break I was like "Hmm, I wonder what Sarah's like gearing up to it I didn't well it was it's difficult to know whether it was like an intentional I'm going away to like find the new thing that I'm going to do but it sounds like it was very much 
I don't want to do any more things. <laughs> yeah. But then ended up being me finding the new thing that I was going to mm. do. And like the thing that I really remind myself from this, people might have heard me say this before if they've listened to any of my podcasts, but like nothing in nature blooms all year round. So my example is the cherry blossom tree. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with them. I love them. They're amazing for like a week of the year, just glorious. And then the rest of the year, like there's some leaves. You might not really notice it. Half the year it's completely dead looking. But all of those seasons of it are just as essential as the part where it's like throwing pink confetti everywhere. Absolutely, so, yeah. <laughs> with my winter. That was my winter. Your winter. After the book launch where I looked dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 15 Minute Magic was me coming back into flower. Mm-hmm. So when you started to get that idea and it started to kind of gather pace quite organically for you, at what point... I mean, I don't know what your product creation process is like anyway. Was it a very kind of, oh, we could do this, we could do this, or we could do this? Or did you get the idea and be like, okay, this is the idea, I'm going to make a plan and I've got this really, I've got a process that I'm going to follow for this? I like to sit with things for a while. So I had the initial idea and I kind of just kept rolling it around in my head for probably a month. Spoke about it a little bit with a couple of business friends. Like, I've got this kind of idea. It could be this. It could be this. And every time I thought of something that could be a prompt, every time I did something in my business, I was like, that could be a 15-minute task. I made it a little note on my phone. So I had all of these, like, all of these prompts just scattered in all these different notes on my phone. And then... The catalyst like to really kind of set it down as a plan was I thought the perfect time to start this is going to be January. It's a very January, it's a three month program, but like we all want to start the year with with new mm. routines and new good habits. So working back, I was like, well, then it's brand new. I don't know how long it'll take to sell. So I want to put it on sale in November. I don't want to put it on sale in December because everyone's struggling financially with Christmas anyway. So then I need to get cracking and get started Mm. making it. So I always start with branding. I can't make anything until I know how it's going to look. So I got the branding done, which is always a bit scary because it's an investment. I I pay a graphic designer to do it. So I was like, I'm kind of committed now. I've spent money on this project. And what was lovely is I wasn't really doing anything else in my business at the time. I wasn't running any other classes. I wasn't posting to social media. So I got to just completely focus every single day on building the best program I could from this. And I loved that so much. And that's something I'm going to try and keep as a a part of my business now is to have these periods where I just get to create because it was so amazing to just give my brain that focus. Have you ever um, come across Kate Northrup's work? I don't think so. I don't recognise oh, you're name. gonna you're gonna freak. <laughs> so she, name she has a book called Do Less, and so her whole ethos is about like cyclical work, and she talks about the seasons and how that then uh, sits with moon cycles and also the menstrual cycle. And she talks about you have a time for planning and coming together you have a time for being visible and open you have a time for wrapping things up and culminating it and then you have a time for the fertile void and I think you'll really resonate and that was like I think I kind of discovered her in the middle of last year and I actually now plan my months according to that cycle where as much as possible I'm like okay well this is my planning week this is my like going out there and like really hammering it week this is my culminating week and then this I have a week where I kind of like ease off a little bit just to kind of allow that replenishment but also thinking about it through the year and so she has like she's kind of calls herself a recovering workaholic because she used to just hammer 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 and then found that when they started working in this way due to like health reasons like they started making more money. But anyway, she's I love she's the great. sound of this. Yeah. She's coming on my podcast. I don't know where I'm finding her. She's coming. <laughs> Look out for that episode. I've got a lot of questions for her. Yeah. So and like the permission that gives you too, because I do think there's a guilt when you're like, well, hang on, like I've not shown up on social media this week. I've done all this other amazing stuff, but I've not ticked that box. So I'm failing. Or, you know, I've been really visible and I've had a really productive social media week, but oh, I've not done any planning. So knowing that like you don't have to structure your week to tick every single box, you can spread it out however works for you. Mm, yeah. I, and I think for women especially that we exist in a world where um, it's set up for men and men 
cycle their hormone cycle is 24 hours whereas ours are 28 days and so it's kind of like you do this every day and you do this every day and actually for women that doesn't really work um because yeah you're on monday this week is going to be you're going to be completely different in your body than you are on monday next week so you should in your brain yeah i've really noticed this like yeah humans are not machines that you can switch on every morning and expect to create the exact same results day after day that just doesn't work especially like you say for women and for women like if you're raising children then you've got all those extra kind of variables or there's a lot of health conditions autoimmune conditions and things that affect women that again add another layer of that it's so true Mm. so yeah that's my soapbox on that (laughs) amazing i'm I'm gonna just binge on her so thank you yeah i'll I'll send you the top my top episode links yeah please put them in the show notes because people are gonna be like kate give us them as well (laughs) so what was i talking about okay yeah so (laughs) clawing it back so when you started 15 minute magic and so there's something that i really want to talk about which is maybe more of a mindset thing of how conscious were you that you had this new idea that was more or less nothing to do with Instagram and you are the Instagram queen? <laughs> well, how did that factor into the decision making? Did it make you kind of doubt the idea or or how did that kind of figure? For sure. Like I had to think about this because first of all, I've never sold anything that's not Instagram related to my audience. So yes, my podcast has always had a much broader focus and just kind of business in general, but I've never tested whether there was any interest in a product like that. So whenever I had those moments of, oh crap, no one's going to want this, I would do something really proactive, like send out Um, a survey to a selection of my newsletter subscribers or I put something on stories and be like how much are these problems affecting you in your day-to-day and just kind of do that market research I scheduled a load of calls with people I just asked on Instagram for people who struggled with it to arrange like 20 minute calls with me on Skype and we just talked through their problems so I could get a really good sense of how it showed up for them and partly I think that was for me to check that I was answering all of the questions, but partly I think it was just so that I could look at someone and be like, is this a good idea? (laughs) You think that this is something you would buy? Um, And people were really wonderful. And like that feedback was really, really helpful. And then it just, there was the point where I was like, I'm just going to have to try it. Just going to have to try it and see what happens. And if nobody buys it, nobody buys it. Because I had so much fun making it. And I felt like it was so valuable and such a great experiment. Like I, I don't think there's anything else quite like it out there. And so that passion was the thing that kind of saw me through. But for sure, I was even scared that like, would it somehow diminish my authority as an Instagram expert to be seen to be doing other things? Mm. And I don't think it has, but you know, Mm. it's also been, it's been really great for my business and really great for me personally and great for my customers. So. So I think that what's interesting as well is how much of the weight was on market research because I think a lot of the time we like to keep our ideas really quiet and wait till they're ready and I guess that's perfectionism again isn't it but I think that market research is one of those things that sounds like the official thing that you have to do when you have a business and it's like a big tick box but actually people think it has to be something more than it is and actually is something that people feel quite scared of and I for my most recent program the trail I did start doing market research more than just like the odd stories poll where I kind of what I did was I sent my newsletter list um the customer profile I'd made and be like if this sounds like you Um, and you'd be interested in giving me some feedback let me know and then like a handful of people did and then I sent them the the kind of sales page and just asked them specific questions about it and people very kindly got back to me and that was really helpful in terms of a being like okay people like it's okay and b they can show you your blind spots so much better and because you're writing something like oh yeah that makes sense and they're like what yes (laughs) yeah yeah oh this is going to be a big problem like how are you going to overcome it and you're like oh yeah Mm, mm, exactly so yeah I think that's really interesting And, and it's good I like that you said that you did you did the both you went actually into doing the more kind of focus groupy calls and stuff but also kind of tempered that with like the odd stories poll as well yeah well because it needed to be easy on hard days and it needed to be more in depth on the days when I had the capacity and I think what really motivates me in that sense is when I 
first left my day job way back, I wanted to write my Instagram course then. I had a wall full of post-its and I knew all the content. I knew everything I wanted to teach, but I didn't feel like I had the authority. And so in the end, that self-doubt stopped me. And I went and did like one-to-one mentoring for Instagram for a year, like just filled my diary up with that and then wrote the course. And the course was the same course I would have written either way, but like that market research made it so much more succinct. It made it so much easier to zone in on the pain points and on the things that people commonly would trip up on. And so that experience was so valuable to me of being like, actually, it's one thing to have all the knowledge, but you need to also have that kind of direct experience of the humans kind of mm. receiving the knowledge. Mm. And so I didn't want to write 15 Minute Magic in a vacuum. I really wanted to kind of find a way to get at least a taste of that. I wasn't about to spend a year mentoring, but I knew that I could still kind of ask those questions and and now constantly refining it as well as we go along, like with every run through, gathering up the feedback and seeing what worked and what didn't so we can make it the most effective it can be. Mm. And I think that's when you said as well about how it got to a point where you're like, oh, you know what, I've just had a lot of fun doing it and I don't really mind if it sells, <laughs> where I think that's a really important point to get to where it's just there's something more important than the end result. Because I think when we just think, okay, well, this has to pay my mortgage or this has to this has to be the future of my business, you just tense up and you can't, it just doesn't flow as much and so to actually think okay what's more important what's more important for my life than the result of this thing what else can I what other value can I get from this because I think we do that as well that we create something we're worried about the value that other people are going to get so much so that we're like oh I actually hate doing this (laughs) yes yes so many people you speak to and they're like they've built a business they detest but it works really well for everybody (laughs) else so I think I like that you you, you said that because I think that's a good that's something that we don't think about when we're trying to think about where to take our business or or this product what we're going to do it's like well actually how how can I enjoy this and how can I not have the result or the sales be the only measure by which I deem it enjoyable to me Yes. And then, I mean, it's a huge privilege, of course, because I knew I had income coming from things like the Insta retreat that would mean that I could carry my family regardless. But also like from my mindset, I was like, you know, if it doesn't sell the way the Insta retreat sells, which is just through me talking about it, you know, sending the odd email and mentioning it on my podcast, I'm fairly low effort when it comes to promoting that class. So if it doesn't sell based on that, well, then I have a list of like, I could give you a hundred things I've not Mm. tried that I would try. And I would just keep trying it until it's sold. Because once you've made something that's valuable, it's just a question of finding the right formula to get people to notice it. And then you can exchange that value for money. So I think that belief in what you're making takes away some of the fear of like, what if it doesn't sell? Because to me, it's always like, well, if it doesn't sell, then I just need to try something else. Mm-hmm. I actually, I remember you saying that, I don't know if it was on Instagram or maybe it was on a podcast where you were saying like, oh yeah, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, I haven't done this. And that was that was actually really useful to me because I was like, oh yeah, I've not done any of that stuff either. So and you you yeah. do get into your kind of routine of like, oh, I write a blog and then I put it on the podcast and then I put an Instagram post up and then the end. <laughs> oh, it didn't work. Uh, oh, well, I'll just bid it. Um, <laughs> Because yes, we do. There are so many. There's so many things open and there are options for us to use. Yeah, and and it's hard, like, because our brain wants to go. Oh, I've done three things and they didn't work. Clearly, I'm a massive failure, and I should give up. Like, you have to have a lot of courage to just keep going down that list and going. Okay, Facebook ads. What does that involve? Or like, I've never done. Uh, I've never joined Reddit. Maybe that's the place I can sell. Or like, just going through all the options, but there's so much growth and learning in that. And for all the ones that don't work, you're kind of getting closer and closer to the ones that will. And also you're like, you're building up this huge skill set where you know how to navigate all these different parts of the internet and you get to test out what feels aligned with your business and your values and what doesn't, which I think is completely worth the time in and of itself. Mm. And I think, and, and just to give a like practical example to that, there's something that I've realized is that kind of similar to you, this podcast is by far my highest reaching piece of content and so I started on the blog just to be like a lot more conversational in the tone and a lot less how-to and a lot more story-led and my blog has just like really 
taken off and got loads more oh, readership and things and so it's just like it doesn't have to necessarily be that's the way that the skills can be transferred is kind of what I'm saying as an example that it's like okay well this is really working here how can I apply that to these other places that aren't working so much definitely because the basic skill set of like taking an image that attracts people and tells a story writing in a way that makes people feel connected to you and helps them learn like those skills that you hone i i always say like to my institute students like you're going to hone these skills here but you're going to be able to use them on every single part of the internet like twitter your newsletter making pinterest pins like joining a facebook group and having your posts actually read by the hundreds of people in there like whatever you want to end up doing it's still going to require you to be able to do those basic mm-hmm. essential skills that we that we hone and, and refine every time we show up mm-hmm. so with your marketing for 15 minute magic did you end up doing things differently than you do with the institute and did you kind of consciously go into this as thinking i need to kind of change things up and make sure people perceive me as more than just instagram or did you kind of trust what you'd built I I guess I wanted to just make sure that I established my expertise as such a marketing term I know but I like, <laughs> yeah but like it is a handy little buzzword to, I wanted people to understand why I knew what I was talking about and that they could trust me on the topic because that's the question I would have you know I, I would read about a program I think it sounds great but I might be like is this someone that can really help me with this so I made sure that I was putting out podcasts that really specifically talked about it which was so easy because it was like all I was obsessed with I just wanted to talk about procrastination and productivity all the time and I created a freebie because the other thing is whenever I create a new paid offering I always want to try and create a like a maybe a lower level version of it but that's free to access so that if people can't afford to buy a program that there's still a way for them to kind of get a taste of it kind of get an experience of it so I created a set of daily prompt cards that were like you could print out and keep on your desk and just like pull on set a 15 minute timer and do what was on there and then just as a bit of an experiment really because they were so beautiful the design by the graphic designer I ran a few Pinterest ads with those cards and with a few different graphics that I kind of played around with which was really interesting like just doing that a b testing on two different Pinterest graphics seeing which one attracted the most people over to download them and then they would get on my mailing list and then they would hopefully kind of listen to the podcast or start to start to dig deeper into my work and see if it was for them Mm. I think yeah I think that's really interesting I've not done any ads and I'm always really scared but it's it's, uh, interesting that that and having that long funnel as well is also obviously helpful but I really like what you said about kind of the expertise piece and it not being like hello I am an expert on blah, 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 blah but just being like here are the reasons why I can help you do this Um, Because I think people get really hung up on that, like, oh, I don't have enough years experience or I don't have this qualification or that qualification. Whereas it's putting yourself in the shoes of like, okay, what do people need to read to believe that I'm the person? And actually, it's very different to like a CV of all the reasons why. Totally. (laughs) And like so much of what I teach always has been about like my own learning experiences, the things I've screwed up and gone, oh, my God, why did no one tell me? So then I go and tell everybody. So that has been kind of how I've sold 15 Minute Magic is like, I noticed that my brain does this and it also does this. And some of these things are helpful and some of these things I've had to work to overcome. And here's all of it and all of those lessons presented in a way that you can make those changes too. And like the testimonials, like honestly, when I log into that group, sometimes I cry because (laughs) people are just saying the most wonderful things. But I think it's because it's based on like real human experience instead of something that I could just go and learn, you know, in a a university somewhere and technically be completely qualified to apply, but not have that lived experience of it. So how did, let's kind of start wrapping up and sort of think about how has it been to kind of all the 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 fears that you might have had about it kind of diminishing the Instagram side or like how do you feel about the Instagram side now what's the kind of I mean where are we like nearly six months out of it having 50 minute magic having launched how does how is it all sitting together now I remember texting Jen Carrington our mutual friend (laughs) friend um, of the show (laughs) 
after uh, it sold because it it oversold beyond my expectations that very first one, and I was like, I just feel like I've got been given like freedom in my business back because I hadn't really realized how much I'd been carrying that belief that people only want to hear from me about Instagram and I can only teach Instagram and I'd already put everything Instagram into the Insta retreat like Mm. the aim of that course is that I put everything in there (laughs) yeah it wasn't really anywhere else to go and so that it was like a huge weight suddenly lifted and all of these new possibilities came flooding in and it was it was just magical and so I'm so glad I pushed through all of that fear and doubt because it really did it kind of gave me like a second wave of my business. Jen said that I was like Sarah 2.0 <laughs> because of kind of all of that shifting. And and then of course it's like reinvigorated my love of teaching Instagram too because all of that weight and pressure and obligation I was kind of putting on that, that feeling like I was sort of trapped with it. Instead now it's a choice again. Now mm-hmm. I'm actively choosing to teach it because I have other options. And as soon as it's a choice, then like it's joyful. I'm, you know, I'm choosing it because I want to do it. So it's given me the energy to completely revive the Institute's had a whole new makeover. We've like, we're moving to a custom learning site. It's got a private podcast, like it's all happening. Mm. It's like we were saying, actually, like with the the expectation of like with the institute like oh this has to support my entire family and pay my mortgage like forever yeah you lose that creativity and the flexibility and the looseness around it yeah it's like when you're trying to hold sand in your hand Mm -hmm. versus like there's a metaphor isn't there (laughs) some sort of metaphor (laughs) (laughs) yeah so and then so just recently I over the summer I've enrolled in a coaching certification it's like the biggest investment financially I've ever made in my business and I have no real intention of doing an awful lot of one-to-one coaching like mind coaching but I just really wanted it I really wanted to do it I really I knew it would be so valuable in the group coaching calls that happen in all of my programs and like the other people in my practicum group like we have these weekly calls where we or we do the coaching on one another and a couple of them have been like I don't really understand like why are you why here, are you here? <laughs> <laughs> do you don't want to coach like they're all at the beginning they're like about to build a coaching business um but like I feel like that pivot giving myself that space and that capacity just just meant I was a, I was free to consider things in whole new ways and this feels like one of them mm. having all the options so I mean you don't have to say anything if it's completely uh, under wraps, but what do you feel is kind of next? Or are you kind of going to see how just happy with where things are? Or do you feel like I've got a I've got a burning to go and do something completely different? <laughs> well, so I have a bit of a philosophy in my business. I don't like to create a new offering until the thing I've got is like completely sold out. Like I want a waiting list like the Insta Retreat is. I want it to be like such high demand that it almost sells itself. That's where I need 15 mm-hmm. minute magic needs to get before I'll start creating my next program. Just because I don't know, that's that's how I've always run my business. I like having that simplicity and being able to con- really constrain my energy into the things that I'm doing and make sure I'm doing them brilliantly but then I do think 15 minute magic could be a book I can really see it as a Mm. book I'd love to do like a 15 minute magic lifestyle so instead of oh yes that's what you have to do like (laughs) because how many of us want to do stuff and don't do it well I'm gonna like light my nice candles or I'm gonna read my book or I'm gonna go for a walk and then we just sit on the sofa and watch Netflix and feel like a slug (laughs) So I think that could be good. Um, there's a lot of ideas stewing. And, and I don't think they'll detract from it. They may just enhance it. So, mm. Yeah, yeah. Can I pre-order that? I don't know. Should it be a course, though? Should it be a book? Should it be a deck oh, of cards? I feel like it buy? might be a deck. It could be nice, couldn't it? Mm. I'd, I'd love to make some print, printed like paper things in the world. But then you do need the accountability as well, because if it's a deck, it can go in a drawer and you never look at it. Yeah, we've all got the decks, haven't we? Yeah. So maybe it would be like a deck, but the option of a community as mm. well. Delivered digitally. So you've got the deck, but also you can get like a text. Well, but then it's like, should it be an app? Should mm. it be an app where you get a push notification every day? I mean... This is the content. <laughs> this is where we're at. If anyone's got any feedback, yeah. let me know. Um, yeah. Cool so it's swirling around and it'll turn into something. And I'm very much someone who like, rather than trying to make the right decision, I make a decision and make sure it is the right decision mm. by giving it all I can. Yeah. 
I love that actually and I, I really liked your kind of discipline of like this is where a, a thing has to get to before I start something new because I'm terrible for being like oh now I want to go do this um which is it was great and I think that yeah I love that that I don't worry about making the right decision I make the decision right because we do we try and front end everything before we do something to, oh, it's so to paralyzing. clear off all the possibilities whereas actually yeah you can put it out into the world and then you can actually make the right choices of actions to do because you can react to things like it's like building a website and then you make it perfect and then nobody visits it because the url's wrong or whatever like you can actually then react to real-time stuff exactly Um, and you've got your own back so you're not doing that thing of like oh shit have i made the right i'll just go back and maybe i'll do a bit of that other one as well and like then you get nothing done whereas if you just go all in and go i've made this choice so it's going to be the right one So, Sarah, I've got one last question to ask you, which is the one that we ask at the end of every episode, which is how do you grow with soul in your work and life? It's a great question. I love that it's grow with soul because like so many of us could talk about how we grow, Mm. but how do you grow with soul? I think for me, I'm always connecting to my past self and thinking about what she needed and where she needed me to go. And so I'm always trying to be navigate, always trying to navigate by that. That's not a very concise answer. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I get it. And that's, I really like that because I think we very often talk about like, oh, this is what I want in the present or this is what future me wants. But actually to kind of, to have half an eye on that person that we were. And and I guess that helps be like, oh, look how far I've come. But also like that person is still a part of you and to kind of also look after her I think is really nice yeah exactly and kind of forgiving past mistakes and also because a lot of the time what I needed three years ago there'll be other people who need right now so if I can put that out there then hopefully I can help them along the way too that's so lovely um so where can people come and find you and connect with you and give you feedback on 50 minute lifestyle magic (laughs) (laughs) so everything online is under me and orla because orla is my daughter so twitter instagram me and orla.co.uk and my podcast is called hashtag authentic and my book is as well yeah very good aligned names of things (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much sarah thank you this was so fun any links that we mentioned will be on my website which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast and you can find me and sarah on instagram i'm at simpleandseason and she is at me and orla with underscores between the words as always if you think you have a friend who would really enjoy this conversation please do send them the link to the episode and share where you're listening online too And as this is the last episode before a quick break over August, it would be really awesome if you could leave a rating and review there in the podcast app to help others find us. And until next time, I hope you grow a song.